Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsom, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsom. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And what a start to this season for the Florida Panthers. They're currently 2-0-0 with a plus-five goal differential, good for first place in the Florida Hockey Now Atlantic Division. Uh, and one of the best performances so far in the entire NHL. By points percentage and goal differential, they are behind only the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are up there on the back of an 8-2 to thrashing of the Arizona Coyotes on, uh, on their opening night. Uh, great, great start for the Panthers. An overtime win against Pittsburgh, followed by a just a dominant performance over the New York Islanders, a team that the Panthers have struggled with uh, in the past couple of years since Trotz took over. Uh, very, very promising start. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think? I've looked out onto the seas ahead of us, boys, and nothing but smooth sailing straight on to eighty-two <laughs> O and O. I mean, they're on pace for it, so the math checks out. And as everybody mm. knows, we don't actually watch the games. No. We only look <laughs> at the math, and the math says 82-0-0, so therefore we are on track, baby. Yeah, obviously a 164-point season definitely in the cards for the Florida Panthers. Uh, I w- I'd put money on it right yeah. now. Yeah, we're taking bets, actually. So <laughs> if you don't think it's going to happen, just uh, DM's open. And the reality is they're better than the damn trashy ass dolphins and hurricanes and gators and Fort St. Seminoles. So just, you know, enjoy it. 82 and 0. Throw FAU and FIU and USF in there just to be comprehensive. Are the Florida Panthers the best sports team in Florida right now? The Heat are the only ones that can give them a competition. And, you know, there's one team that's back to back champions. In the state yeah, of Florida, but fuck them. They're not. Even, was, they're they're in a wild card spot right now. Who cares? Which is where I, they're going was, to finish. I, I I was just going off of South Florida fanhoods, which includes the Gators and Seminoles because of transplant reasons. So therefore, it's Panthers versus uh, it's Panthers versus Heat right now, in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, you could go about, either. What one. about the Buccaneers? Am I crazy? If, if no, I guess we're just yeah, talking South Florida, but right, they're not Bucks fans. I I want to claim the Panthers as the best team in Florida sports right now. Hold that on, let me look claim. up. Let me look up how There's the Columbia. Uh, let me look up how the Colombian national soccer team is doing in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, that would count as South Florida fanhood. That as well. does. I I think so. Inter, Inter Miami, oh, by I, the way, also in the in the mud. I will put them in that category as well. Doing doing very badly. So the Florida Panthers are at least the best North American professional, uh, non-international sports team in the state. Uh, (laughs) In the region. All those qualifiers make it way less fun to say. Um, I I will say, I think the storyline of the season so far to me is Dad Bob. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's only been two games, but like he's rocking a 935 mm-hmm. and a positive goal saved above expected for the first time in his Panthers career. And Alex, yeah. you had it perfectly by you know pointing out that everybody's going to go back to their old repository of oh Bobrovsky, you know, it's four pass Bobrovsky, four goal ski. But in the first game of the year, the, the Penguins 
were just absolutely relentless on the power play and they kept right. getting to the power play. They had seven opportunities or well, nine not- opportunities, seven and by the end of the second period. And yeah. by that point, you know, the, they had already accumulated like five expected goals and, you know, Bob eventually ends up giving up four, but he still had a positive goal saved above expected around two and a half to three because of how many quality chances the Penguins got yeah. in that game. Bobrovsky was the only reason that the Peng- the Panthers were hanging around, <laughs> that they even had a shot to come back from two goals down because it could have been well past them at that point. You know, Jacob brought up the eight to two thrashing that the Blue Jackets gave to the Coyotes. Something similar could have happened in this situation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, look, the four goal scheme meme will never go away. And yeah, if you're kind of doing it, it should much, after the Islanders game, though. No, it's not because he's you know, look, know. He's, he's put two <laughs> he's put two trash seasons together based on what his contract is. So you have to like Bobrovsky should be should get the skeptical look from Panthers fans until he does it for an entire season, where it's like, okay, hey, we're at least getting some bang for our buck here. I don't think you're ever going to get a ten million dollar a year goal a year out of Bobrovsky, but you're at least getting something. But just, like, you still saw it after the game. Like, people saying, like, oh, Sp- you know, Spencer Knight's got to start next game. You know, you can't survive with Bobrovsky giving up four goals. And it's like, what he the hell did you team. It was 47 shots. Yeah, it was a I lot. I mean, and, and it wasn't even just, like, people who only, like, like even if you use the eye test, you could see Bobrovsky play well. Like, no. this isn't complicated shit. I mean, there was two extended five-on-three power plays. Not like, oh, 15 seconds of five on three, like a minute and a half plus twice. Not to mention two of the four goals were own goals. Bob saved 43 shots against 45 shots from Penguins players. And then there were two unfortunate bounces off Panthers players that both became goals. He was so good. And the yeah. four, the, I can't believe that we saw people. It's it's ironic the people who who uh, think that because we use the numbers to justify things that we're the scoreboard watchers. But the only way that you could think that Bobrovsky had a bad game against Pittsburgh is if you only looked at the score. Yeah, you couldn't even look at the box score. You just had to look at only right. the score. Right. Only mm-hmm. scoreboard watchers could think that Bob had a bad game against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And not even like the scoreboard on TV because that displayed the shot on goal. You would have to look at a scoreboard that like eventually you would have to be looking from a distance <laughs> and like you would barely be able to make out the five, four at the end of the game, maybe four, two, when he gives, gives up the fourth goal in the third period. I did want to point out though, like uh, to me, goaltending performance is so ephemeral that I'm not even sure if I really need to see a large sample size before I'm like, okay, I can count on this guy to perform this way on a certain night. You, you, you goaltending is so voodoo. You need, you need consistently throughout a season before you can start to trust someone who's been so bad for you over two years. So, like, if you use sure. short sample sizes, uh, Andrew Hammond would be the number one goaltender in Ottawa and have led them to numerous cups by now. But what I'm saying is like they should have started Andrew Hammond that playoffs, but not necessarily given him a long-term contract. But like, would you say, oh, you know, the sample size for Andrew Hammond's career is poor, so they shouldn't have started him in the playoffs. No, he was playing well. Well, no, you're right there. You put, Goaltending is voodoo. When a guy is hot, you ride him. It doesn't matter if, mm-hmm. right. you know, mm-hmm. you like, that's why I really like how Q ran his goalies last year where it's like, he played the hot hand. It didn't matter if it was $10 million Bob or it was, you know, league minimum mm-hmm. Drieger. He played who was, who was playing well and you just go with it. And it's, it's the way, honestly, I think you should be handling your goalies. The days of, unless you've got a, you know, an, an Andre Vasilevsky who started the year slowly, unless you have that kind of goalie in your team, on your team, you should be doing like what Carolina does and, basically splitting six or seven million dollars between two goalies and just trying to ride whoever's hot like that's the best way to to you know do goaltending in the nhl in in 2021 but you know bob right now has been really good he was excellent against the, the penguins he was almost as good against the islanders i mean the one goal first of all can we talk for a second how islanders fans wanted that goal 
disallowed, uh, wanted that goal to stand where uh, Bobrovsky got stunned. Oh, yeah, when, when obviously, like, yeah, like, like that, it, from a certain angle, that, like, almost looked like a slew foot. I know it wasn't, and I'm not accusing no. Anders Lee of slew footing, but, like, there was foot, there was a little bit of foot-to-foot contact. Okay. Well, by definition, it's a slew foot in terms of, you know, one one skate hits the right. other, you know, hits the, 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 the defensive player, the defenseless player in the back and takes his legs out. By definition, it's a slew foot. But to use the term slew foot, there has to be intent. Like, right. you know, just to take a shot at uh, Jack Ed- or Jack Edwards. It's, it's Jack Edwards, right? Probably. Or, if you're talking about an announcer that probably said something super shitty. Yeah. No. Yeah, the, that's uh, Jack Edwards. <laughs> it's Jack Edwards. Um, on the uh, the, I, the on Marshawn's ga- uh, game clinching goal yesterday, an empty netter. It was like him versus Dumba in a race towards the net. Or no, it was him versus Heiskanen in a race towards the net. And Heiskanen was obviously doing whatever he could to try and knock the puck away, even if it was worth a penalty. Didn't happen. Marshawn got there. The two got tied up. And, you know, by definition, there was a slew because Heiskanen skates took out uh, Marshawn from behind. And, of course, you know, uh, Edwards goes on to this. Oh, my God, it's a suspendable offense. And, of course, the NHL won't even look at it. And it's like, there's literally zero reaction from anyone. Marshawn's not even upset about it. And I'm like, come on. Like, you are such a clown. But it's just sidebar, goes- kind of amazing. That's not even like top 10 shittiest things that Jack Edwards has ever said. Oh, it's, it's, it's not even like in the top 50. But it was just like, you know, you brought up Slewfoots. And I'm like, there's, you know, Slewfoot. the biggest intent. fucking homer announcer in the entire Guys NHL. get tired. I'm going to take the unpopular corner. I kind of appreciate it. Like I, I kind of want him no, to okay. be passionate. I, I can take homerism from announcers in like the way Goldie does it is good, but like Goldie will be like, yeah, that's a penalty. But, when something but, happens on the Panthers, that's clearly a penalty. Like, let me clarify my stance. I kind of appreciate that he's leaning into being a pantomime villain. No, because it just gets so annoying. Like, like if honest, I'm sorry, but if yeah, he, if I'm, I'm like, saying oh, this is my opinion. Like the you Bruins can have players the opposite should opinion. injure That's fine. other teams' players because the other teams' players did something. Oh, good. of course, that that goes way too far. Right, and he does that frequently. Maybe well, not frequently, but he's done it more than once. He's he's called for intent to injure more than once. I don't. I think it goes beyond just being a heel. <laughs> Look, yeah. Here, I mean, we're we, I mean, anyway. Yeah, this is the Jack Edwards shit talk podcast. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> right. of but course. I, but I want, like, I want my announcer to be a homer. Like, if a bad call goes against my team, I want the announcer to get upset and say something about it. Yeah, which goal he does, call, right? But on the other direction, if a bad call call favors the Panthers, I don't want to see Goldie just be like, "Oh no, that's absolutely the right call. The Panthers absolutely deserve, you know, this incorrect call to go their way." No, it's no. You acknowledge, "Oh hey, I think." Uh, Looks like the Panthers got away with one there. They caught a lucky break from the you know the refs on that one. Acknowledge it, move on. But like someone like Edwards is you know is such a hard slant. Like I think he makes MSNBC and Fox News blush without how biased he is. Mm-hmm. In terms of announcers, I would like say he's that OAN bad. I would say that Brendan Burke's <laughs> he's on the other end of the spectrum. Whenever I listen to Brendan Burke call a game. I'm always really entertained. I think he does a really good job. And obviously he is the Islanders play-by-play guy. And that's how I'm segueing back mm-hmm. into the actual relevant well topics done. here. Because I think that that was the most impressive performance that we've seen from the Panthers against the Islanders. You alluded to it, Jake, that this uh, Barry Trotz team has really given Barkov, Huberdeau, those teams fits. Obviously that playoff series was a walk of the park, you know, playoff, play-in series whatever. But um, this was totally different. You don't see the Islanders getting trucked in the possession stats and especially the expected goal stats like they did last night. And man, the second and third period, total one-way traffic. It was a rough start for sure. The the Islanders forecheck was relentless. Panthers could not deal with it. Bobrovsky was under siege. And that's why we were talking about how well he played in this game. And then after that, the Panthers got their foothold in the game and you know, they just took off. And obviously Sam Bennett was the one that was doing the damage with uh, a great first goal. Uh, you know, the wraparound for the second Alex, goal. Alex, do you see the steam coming out 
of TJ's ears as he has to say that Sam Bennett is, is... <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh we're just we're just taking L after L on that one no we we took one big L now do you really think I care we... like the Panthers are winning as a result of this do you think I care more about the fact that I made a bad tweet than the right. Panthers winning yeah right no exactly I, right i am happy to take an l if it me if it benefits the panthers yeah. i'm glad that we yeah. were not on target about that in fact i will still hold that at the time it was a risky trade i'm just very happy that the risk paid off yeah you, you can't be hindsight so is 2020 yeah and, no it, it's all worked out. i mean it just looks good like yeah he's i just think it's also very funny that his last hat trick was against the panthers yeah yeah his only two hat tricks were for panthers and against and- um, but yeah, no, like it's, it's just really kind of, uh, good to see like Sam Bennett. The first goal was a typical Sam Bennett, you know? Oh, hey, I tweeted it last night. It was as Sam Bennett, a goal as you will ever see someone else forces a rebound. Sam Bennett just forces the puck in from the crease basically. Yeah. Noah Dobson's supposed to be covering him there and basically made zero impact whatsoever. It's as if yeah. he was on the ice by himself and the puck was just sitting in front of the net. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Noah Dobson's more of a, an offensive defenseman. He's not known mm-hmm, for yeah. being defensively responsible, clears, crease clearing or whatever you want to call it. But, like, first goal, again, very gritty, very Sam Bennett. Second goal was a high-skill play. To fake one way and yeah. then wrap it around, like, that takes high-level skating ability. Like, you're not seeing, uh, you know, not, Patrick Cornquist isn't making that play. He doesn't have, like, the skating ability to do that. Like, that's a high-skill play. Uh, Lucic isn't, you know, that's a high skill play from Bennett. And then Former the third Sam goal, Bennett line mate, Milan Lucic to you. And then the third goal, like. That explains he, a lot, by the way. He right. slowed it down, <laughs> let the defense back up, and then absolutely picked a corner. And again, that's a skill play. That wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I'm just, you know, taking a shot on net and hoping. And it, you know, trickled through on Sorokin, who didn't have the best. Like, no, he sniped the corner. That was a well-earned hat trick. That was a high-scale hat trick yep. where you're just like, okay, this might not be, you know, a 10-game sample size fluke. This guy might have, like, he might have just needed to change his scenery. He might have actually just been miserable but Calgary's bottom six. I mean, it's fucking Calgary. <laughs> it is and Calgary, yep. Six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, speaking of line mates and Sam Bennett and all that, I've been impressed by Owen Tippett. He hasn't scored a goal yet. I think he has an assist, but I think Owen Tippett's doing fine on the second line. I like that line so far. And I think the goals are going to come from Owen Tippett. I've been very pleased with what I've seen so far. What about you guys? I haven't noticed him at all. Yeah, I kind of haven't either. <laughs> okay, I'll be alone on that island. But You don't need to necessarily I'm- be alone. Just, like, why mess with something if it's working? You know, right. like, going from there, like, Duclair on the fourth line, and then, you know, being able to transition him to the first line when you feel like that's the right move, it's working. Like, clearly that paid dividends because Barkov gets a goal and that first line became a little bit more dangerous. And at the very least, they had a better control of the game and control of the flow of play once Duclair was put on there. Not to say that Reinhardt needed to be demoted because I thought he had a good game. But Duclair goes on there, and they have a little bit more control. They're a little bit more dominant, and Barkov gets that goal as a, as oh, a payoff. Oh, man. I am so happy that Verhege barkov Duclair is back together. I'm sad that Sam Reinhardt got pushed all the way down to line four after a game and a half. But, like, I don't know if that's going to be permanent. Well, it, I, I, I mean, it shouldn't be, but. I think that was a one-game, you know, a one-game thing where it's like, all right, hey, we want to get Duclair back on the first time so we're not shuffling the entire lineup. It's just yeah. a one and the reality is, at that point, the score was what it was. They were rolling four lines anyway. So, like, it's not like Sam Bennett really lost a lot of ice time. Like, Sam Reinhardt. That time, Reinhardt. that time you actually Reinhardt. did mean Sam Reinhardt. There's too many Sams on this damn team. There are. There are only two. There are. That's it's one too. too many. It's still too many. I do refer to them both as Sammy during the game, like in my head. Re- rest in Sammy peace to, to Sam Montembeau. And... He, he cause oh. of death, Buffalo Sabres shots. Poor guy. I killed in action in Montreal. But yeah, like, look, <laughs> I, I don't think Reinhardt's going to be a permanent fixture on the fourth line. I don't. I I would hope he didn't take it personally because the reality is the lineup switch worked. He still he looked out. good on the fourth line. Yeah. What I would like to see is keep the Duclair, Barkov, or Hagee line together 
and then make your third line Lundell, Vetrano, and Reinhardt and see how that goes because you want to talk about people who show nothing. Patrick Hornquist is he even on the ice. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to be Man, I, I, I don't think I'm thrilled with Sam Reinhardt at all. I, I, I'm not thrilled with Sam Reinhardt at all. Of the 18 skaters uh, that, that have played for the Panthers so far, Sam Reinhardt ranks 12th in Corsi 4 percentage uh, with just a miserable 56.8. <laughs> that, that's more a commentary on how dominant the team has been, by the way. 12th also of 18 and he's also that it's it's been two games it has been two right. games well, yeah so. the two games are going to make those numbers move a lot more quickly but we yeah. only, right now we only have three players below 50 percent Corsi. I don't know exactly when it happened, but some point in the third period it felt like the wind completely went out of the Islander sails and like yeah. it was the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals not necessarily because like the Islanders are so much worse than the Panthers I mean I think they're right up there in terms of the Stanley cup contenders, but they just like were defeated. So they weren't giving the kind of effort and the, the Panthers knew that they were putting on a show for their fans. And that's how the game progressed from there. Yeah. That game had very strong. It's game two of the regular season vibes. Let's shut it down and just Mm kind of get out of here. And the Panthers kind of poured it on after that. But the reality is the Islanders are not a team that's going to come back from two, three goals down. Like, there, right. they need to score first. They, need they thrive to... on low event hockey, right? And that's very trot hockey. Mm-hmm. Th- that's once not it, necessarily yeah, their like strength. Three to one, it was, but uh, yeah. you know, they they can come down. They have some scoring punch, but like it, sure. it's not their strength. But uh, I don't want to get well, caught up in the weeds here. They probably have the least amount of scoring. I don't want to get caught up in the weeds too much. Um, so the first pairing on defense, <laughs> and I, I want to talk about the defense overall. The first pairing on defense, I think, pretty much got right back where they were going last year, looking dominant, looking great. Uyghur took a bad uh, delay of game penalty, but, I mean, overall, both him and Ekblad look excellent. There was that injury scare for Ekblad Oof. against the Islanders, but uh, all's well that ends well, I suppose, with that. Uh, the second pairing, I think, is the biggest point of contention right now because – Maybe it was just game one of the season. It's just a one-game thing. It happens, but Radko Gudis was horrible in the yeah. opener against the Penguins, and it showed on the stat sheet. He looked slow, and, I mean, again, it's very early on, but I feel like this is going to be a dialogue that could continue. Like, it's not the craziest thing in the world to predict. Radko Gudis looked old and slow. Yeah. And it might not necessarily be a position that's tenable for him to be the second pairing right right D. I think Forsling is fine. Like, he played well. Yeah. Gudis did not. Yeah, I, I think as this season goes on, the place you're looking to uh, improve on is you need, you need to fortify that second pairing. But I just don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No one's really going to be the – only, the only team looking to sell right now is Buffalo and Eichel. Obviously, that's not something the Panthers are involved in. So I think it's something you're going to have to deal with. And then as, you know, the standings start to take shape throughout the year, if the Panthers are, as we expect them to be, in a strong position, you'll see them look to pick up a rental top four D-man. But, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Radko Gudis, he's probably more better suited for the third pairing at this point. I mean, part of that is Nudovara is out. So you had Kierstad up, who's been fine. Who's been okay, yeah. I, he's been better than he was last year, I think. Yes. Yeah. But, like, we're splitting hairs right now. Like, yeah. yes, obviously you want a strong second pairing if you want to go on a long cup run. But at five on five, this team is damn good right now. I think it's yeah. <laughs> a 9-2 goal advantage at five on five. Nine to two in two games. That's pretty damn good. I mean, look, I know the Penguins were depleted in terms of missing Crosby and Malkin. But, like, the Islanders were healthy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really it's also good nine to two. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that the PDO is relatively healthy for that, but um, yeah, it's still nine to two. I, I think we're as we're learning more and more with advanced stats and new numbers coming up. Like now that we have expected goals, PDO is becoming more and more of an irrelevant fact and uh, irrelevant stat, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, for we'll a friend see. of the podcast who will no longer join us, Reese Jessup, would agree with me. 
I mean, out of context, PDO, sure. Like if you want to bring up PDO when talking about the Minnesota Wild, for example, I'll agree with you. I don't think this is a Minnesota Wild type team where you can just say, oh, well, the quality is so clearly, you know, going to favor whatever the results are. Like it, it all makes sense. By the way, just to go back to just to go back to a quick point that Alex was making a moment ago. Uh, last season, the New York Islanders across all situations were 21st in the league in goals for. Yeah, they're not a high-scoring team. They're they were second in the league in goals against and ninth in the league in goals for percentage. Yeah, they. So they, they it's no them. secret they thrive on defensive hockey. And once the Panthers were at like three goals, once it was three to one, they phoned it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 now go back to the PDO. They're a counterattack hockey team. <laughs> back to well, I think we covered everything PDO. Um, uh, I am curious to see if I can quickly find what the Panthers PDO is so far this year. Well, I mean, the, yeah. the goal differential is 92. The expected goal differential, according to natural stat trick, not score and venue adjusted, is 4.11 to 3.42. So the Panthers are the second left. highest PDO behind in, the Jebels. Behind the Devils, played one yeah. game. But, but um, there might be a quality thing there. Uh, based on what I just said, I doubt it. I mean, I, I think that the number one thing you point to is how well Bob has played. God, Buffalo has the top expected goals for percentage in the league. They've played Montreal and Arizona. But going on... Montreal's I think usually a pretty strong possession team, though. They look terrible. They lost, they lost they their two best possession forwards. Like, what did you expect? It's they like, if the Panthers went into next Deneau season without Barkov and, and Huberto... Tatar. Kotkaniemi? Who's Tatar. the second? Tatar. Uh, well, I mean, they still have Brandon Gallagher. They still have Tyler Toffoli. Foley looks t- and, <laughs> end of list. <laughs> Nick Suzuki, maybe Suzuki. Cole Caulfield. Is he good? I don't know. Well, I, he's good at shooting. Cole yeah. Caulfield, the designer brand Owen Tippett. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gucci Owen Tippett. There you go. <laughs> Back to the pan- or we can just say Owen Tippett is just store brand Cole Caulfield field but back to the panthers we've talked about all pretty extensively about five on five the one thing i kind of want to mention is the power plays looked a little anemic so far mm-hmm. yes it's uh, uh, panthers are what oh for five on the power play at this point mm-hmm. or or no they had six power plays in game one did we determine finally yes so, so seven they're power plays seven. overall and they haven't scored a goal i mean some of them were abbreviated because of yeah. penalties and I kind of I want I do want to talk about that in just terms of like the discipline and whatnot. Um, so far, you're you're noticing the difference between Yandel and Ekblad at the top. The mm-hmm. movement is not good, and and I mean that was to be expected. Look, Yandel's fallen off as a player. He used to be you know a top two to three power play quarterback, and now he's probably a top fifteen. And you're passing the reins on to Ekblad, who hasn't been the power play quarterback literally since he got here because. His first couple of years, it was Brian Campbell, and then it was Keith Yandel. So there's been an adjustment period. Luckily, this team is so deep and so good at five-on-five, five, it hasn't hurt them. But power play is going to need to click soon. The Panthers have the second-worst expected goals for per 60 minutes uh, when they have a man advantage so far this season. And like in, in previous seasons – they were always, even if they weren't scoring at the highest rates in the leagues, they were always performing the best in terms of expected goals per 60, expected goal rates, five on four yep. power plays. And uh, they've had 11 minutes and 47 seconds of five on four time without scoring so far this year. And I know we've always, we've said throughout this episode, well, it's still early. I mean, that's a long time to go without scoring on the power play regardless, but I digress. I mean, Alex said it perfectly. Keith Yandel, obviously going to be a liability five on five or anywhere else you try to put him besides the power play, but yep. you're noticing his absence. And I mean, I will point this out as long as the Panthers struggle on the power play, especially since people are going to tweet out anytime he's on the ice for a goal against in Philadelphia, even if he has nothing to do with it. Like if that stops, then I probably won't be talking about Yandel anymore, but I doubt it will. So get ready to hear it as long as the power play is not performing at the same level, but uh, I digress. Uh, maybe they'll figure it out. I mean, we know that there's not a great puck moving D man on this team right now, the way that Yandel was. Ekblad's just not that guy. 
they deployed him as a forward essentially on the power play last year. So asking him, and it worked super well. Of course, it was great. He was the Hoffman replacement immediately and as effectively. But who could have thought? In terms of the quarterback in South Florida right now, that's a problem. I think that that goes across the board. (laughs) Here's, I'm not saying they need to, you know, make panic changes. It has been two games left. You know, 12 minutes essentially without a power play goal is not good. But, you know, if it doesn't get straightened out naturally, the big change I'd like to see made is Ekblad go back to the left wing, Huberto go to the right wing, and Hmm. Barkov at the top. Yeah, him. I I was thinking, I was thinking Huberto on point. I know you sacrifice a little bit of defense, but. You have Huberto as the one moving the puck, and use Barkov as more of a bumper. You you need you need your you need someone who is at least defensive. Not to say Uro isn't defensively aware, but Barkov is at least always thinking a little bit defensively. So you you need mm-hmm. like if it's not gonna if it's not gonna be an actual defense from the only forward on the team I trust at the top is Barkov. And you really that don't is very disrespectful to easily noticeable defensively responsible Carter Hagee. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I still don't want it's, him. It's there. not the same. I don't I, think. But I and know I mean, the point Jacob was trying to make there. We had maybe not necessarily just we, but people had been frustrated for years at Barkov's usage on the power play. He was always getting put in front of the net. And I mean, it's easy to justify. He's big. He's skilled. So he yeah. can take away the goalie's eyes. He can, you know, take away space from the defense, cause havoc. And now we have Sam Bennett to do all that. So Barkov doesn't need to be there. Well, Barkov is honestly, he's fine where he is. Like, you know, he worked out with Lina. He's got that, uh, he's got that one time where he's obviously not Hoffman quality or Ovechkin quality, but he he's was a weapon with that one last year. I just think, you know, I think, if you can't get it straightened out with everyone where they are now, that's the change I would make and see if Barkov at the top being the distributor and the quarterback can, you know, unlock Ekblad on the wing being your new trigger man at the, with the one timer and whatnot. But again, that's just me. I know it's a pretty drastic change, but it's something I'd like to see. Let's talk I'd, about the penalty I'd, kill. How yeah. About that? Because if we stink sticking with special teams, Let's go to the one the, the special teams that's good. Yeah, penalty kill. They've been getting out three power play goals, but some of them were hard luck. They also have killed off two extended five on threes already. I mean, has any team even been down five on three for as like anywhere close to as long as the Panthers have this year? Is that something you can easily look up? I don't know. So I, like- I mean, it's not something on natural stat track. Interesting. But yeah. That was just a lot of time to be five on three against the Penguins. Turns out Panthers are actually a bottom 10 team in terms of expected goals against per 60 minutes when shorthanded. But is Oops. that four on so five or is that it's, penalty it's just kill? outright penalty kill? But does that, yeah, exactly. That, that's a lot of five three. on three. Yeah. When other teams haven't taken as many. Okay. I mean, in Look, terms of the. Goals, Go ahead. Great. It's not great, but uh, at five on four, they are worse. Or on at four on five, they're worse than they are all situations, which means Ooh, they've actually that's been bad. Very good. Three, okay. uh, five on three. So, so I, I guess we're, <laughs> we're either using a little bit of bias or we're just. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, Sergey Bobrovsky, team MVP so far. I, I guess that you could say, though, that, that some of those five on four minutes are coming after five on three is where you have a bunch of tired penalty killers are out there. So oh, let's yeah, give there's, it some definitely more time. Con- there's definitely contextual reasoning as to why uh, it is interesting that like the general sentiment seems to be that the PK has been solid. Um, so it's well, interesting to see them that low. I think that pe- some people should look inside themselves and ask, is, is it my confirmation bias that is telling me Anton Lundell is doing excellently or is that actually the case? Let's find out. I mean, he's doing fine. I certainly don't think he's an issue, but I think Let's that take a minute, Anton Lundell has been our best penalty killer so far. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. I would imagine that he's if played sort, the most if, clean penalty kill minutes. He's played a lot with Barkov. 
if you sort the Panthers by uh, goals against per 60 when shorthanded, Anton Lundell has the lowest non-zero number. Well, no, some of those guys have zero. Very good. That's true. Forsling, Huberto, and Bennett have zero. I guess my assumption was that that means that they hadn't played PK, but they have. So Lundell yeah, has been one like of our seconds. best penalty killers. And that, right, Lundell's been deployed in – the top unit, which means he's been going up against top penalties, top power plays. Granted, he does get the benefit of playing with Barkov, but not all of his PK minutes have been with Barkov. Yeah, like the Barkov, still, Barkov took a penalty throwing yesterday. a 20-year-old rookie out against top PP units, and he's one of your best penalty killers? I'll take it. Yeah. No, but even when Barkov took the penalty yesterday, uh, Q sent him out there with, with Lundell out there with Lomberg. Like, yeah. That's faith in a guy when, you know, Lomberg is probably your fifth or sixth best option on PK and you're throwing Lundell out there with him. Yeah. So Anton Lundell, very, very good defensively so far, at least shorthanded. So this is a good, a good time to talk about Lundell uh, to tell you guys that crazy stat that I was mentioning before the show. Oh, so I mentioned earlier that the Panthers have three players below 50% Corsi. Anton Lundell is one of them. However, (laughs) despite his 48.8% Corsi for, his expected goals for percentage is above 60. (laughs) So he's not generating a lot, but he's generating good. Small sample size theater does crazy stuff. I know, but like at, at the outset, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of, I obviously I'd rather the higher Corsi four number. It's more, it's a better predictive number, but like the fact that his Corsi four percentage is below 50, but his expected goals percentage is 60. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I like to lean towards Corsi as well, but not when it comes to players that have such strongly skewed zone starts and, so far this season, Lindell's at least. Lindell's defensive. Yeah, he's he's getting a lot of defensive zone starts. So, like, like last season man. was sort of an opposite <laughs> example. It wasn't as dramatic, but, like, if you looked at Keith Yandel's Corsi stats at certain points in the years, it was, like, 60%, high 60s, because he was getting so many offensive zone starts and his expected goals were sagging closer to the middle. That's it sort does. of an effect that can be created by zone starts. Cause if, if you're in the offensive zone, it's much easier to get a, a, a shot attempt, but you might still give up quality at the other end. Or if you're a good player, you might still get quality at the other end. Yeah. Lindell's offensive zone start rate is very low. Mm-hmm. You, so you know, like let's, let's also allow that to give some context to, the fact that he's apparently pretty good at picking up rebounds and turning them into offensive chances is what that says. I think a, that a he's off, a high defensive zone start percentage with a with the not great but not awful Corsi four percentage and an extremely good expected goals for percentage. That's I mean, I think that we're seeing that he was ready to step into the NHL and play this role day one, which is something that you could have questioned because he's so young. And, you know, he's not played any minutes until these against other professional athletes on North American ice. So the fact that he was basically able to play at a professional at an NHL level from the get go, that's a good thing. I'm not a development expert, but I am kind of worried that them forcing him into such strongly skewed defensive usage from the get go is going to hurt his offensive development. Like if I were in charge of the team and, you know, some of you would say, thank God I'm not, I would have him in the AHL right now, top line, top power play, working on his North American offensive game. And maybe the Panthers would have dropped the Penguins game because they would have given up more power play goals. They would have lost six to four or something like that. But, you know, ultimately my hypothesis is that he would be able to develop his offensive game. And then, you know, maybe even a few games into this season, if uh, it's a few, you know, a little bit longer than that, and it's closer to the next season and the season after that, he comes in and he looks more like a top six center with elite offense and defense. It's worth it to me. Um, 
I want to take a look at something. And okay. I, I tweeted about this yesterday also after the game, um, comparing Lindell to Barkov and their early career numbers. Barkov, I think, had what, like 60 points in his first 125 games across his first two seasons? If that. Uh, and now he's... No, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Uh, so I'd be interested to go and find out what Barkov's zone star rate was in his first couple of seasons. It was uh, extremely defensive, if I remember right. He was the first-line center. But... Uh, eh, not really. His, no, remember, his... that team had nobody. So he was getting top six usage. In 13-14, his zone start rate was – his offensive zone start rate was 52.5% offensive. Yeah, so he's just uh, getting a lot of playing time. Like there wasn't a bar more defensive in the next two seasons. There wasn't a, a, a first line center, $10 million guy when Barkov was playing his first NHL games. Right. Well, uh, Jacob, you might already have access to it because you looked it up, but I just remembered what that first line was that first year. And the only hint I'll give people is it was called the killer B line. Can TJ, can you guess who was on that line with Barkov? I think it was Brad boys and Sean Bergenheim. Yep. <laughs> that was the top line for the Panthers. PTO, Brad Boys, and Sean Bergenheim, who never played a, another minute in the NHL after leading, leaving the Panthers. F in the chat. Oh, oh, not forgotten. Man. Playoff clutch, by the way. Sean Bergenheim was so clutch yeah. in the playoffs. In that devil series. So point, point really being, though, that when you compare Lundell's zone starts this season with the rest of the team – uh, the Panthers don't have a player above 50% offensive zone starts right now. So relative to the rest of the team, yes, he's still starting in a lot of defensive minutes, but there is still the comparison to be made between rookie Lundell and young Barkov. So, and Barkov figured out the offensive side of it eventually too. But right away he was scoring. Barkov? He scored in his first mm. NHL game. Yes, yeah, but, that, but his – hold on. Overall, let's let's see the, the points in his first season. I mean, it's uh, – Alexander look, it's, Barkov it's had a, it's 20, a totally different, it's a 24 totally points different example. in 54 games as a rookie. It's a totally different example. 36 points in 71 games. Well, they're, put, they're putting him in situations where he could have scored. Like, it's not even fair to say I'm saying that Lundell is clearly not as good as Barkov was then. I'm saying they put him in a situation where he's – trying out things to work on his offensive game. Lundell's not granted the same opportunities because he's got to play PK. He's got to play in the defensive zone. He's got to play with Patrick Hornquist. That guy's not going to do a lot for you. Like that's, this is what I'm talking about. It's not even necessarily that like, he's not ready for whatever because of, you know, the usage that he's getting. It's, it's more so like, is this what's going to make Lundell the most valuable player for the Panthers overall? Yes. You really think so? They're starting, they're starting him on the defensive side. It's not like he's not going to get offensive opportunities once no, no. they stop playing him with Patrick Hornquist. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's, I don't think I don't think anyone is ignoring his ability to be offensively productive. I mean, we kind of already have had discussed this before i don't I'm, I'm still not concerned i mean again it's only been two games like look if it's a month from now and lundell's literally only being used as a shutdown forward i think it's then time to have that conversation but right now like it i, don't, I just don't think there's a, i don't think it's something to be concerned about i will say to tj's credit uh rookie barkov was rarely used on the pk fair but that was also who who was coaching? Was that Deneen? I think that that was who wants to right guess? after Deneen. I think that was um, probably a lot of Peter Horacek. No, Horacek was Horacek was years ago. That was way before Deneen. That was before Deneen. Interim yeah. Horacek. Yeah. Wasn't he after? Wasn't he interim after Deneen? Maybe he was interim, but he didn't coach Barkov. Okay. If who he did wants coach- to guess who the top two, uh, who the top two forwards were by average time on ice per game on the PK during Barkov's first two seasons? One of Berger. them is obvious; the other one is not. 
Bergenheim. I, I couldn't even guess, take a guess after Bergenheim. Just tell us. Yeah, I'm, I'm number one. The top TOI per game uh, from 2013-14 through 14-15. Barkov's first two seasons in the NHL. Number one, averaging two minutes, 23 seconds per game. The captain. Not at the time, but eventually. Derek McKenzie. Yay. And number two. Hey, Boland. At an average of two minutes and 18 seconds per game, Marcel Gok. Gotcha. Defensively. He gotcha. He, he was German. And that's what I like about him. Fair. <laughs> Fellas, why don't we go down to the farm? How's that Let's sound? Let's do it. Let's do it. Logan Hutzko is very good. Alexei yes. Kapaniemi is also good. Yes. Uh, yes. Horacek was after Deneen. I told you. I told you. So, okay, but Charlotte Checkers, me- real quick. 5-2. They lost their first game in Hershey against the Bears, but Alexi Hepaniemi gets his first goal of the season, assisted by Logan Hutsko and Max Gildon. We love it. First points of the season for all Wait, those guys. Hepaniemi from Hutsko and Gildon? Yes. That's a that's a former Panther Paris guest goal. That's true, across yeah. Across the board. Absolutely. It's got to be the first time that that's ever happened. Maybe uh, maybe Jace Harlock. Heavenly Emmy and Gildon uh, were both part of our 2017 Dev Camp special. Yes. TJ got some uh, got some quotes from both of them. That's good right. Enough. Yeah, yeah, good enough for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, counting it. If if we he, have a goal, Heavenly Emmy said that he was going to eat some <laughs> some food or something along those lines. Yes, it was great because you <laughs> asked him about like the concern about his size. Yeah. <laughs> And you were like, "What's so? What's your plan to bulk up?" And Hepaniemi's answer was literally just eat food, yeah, <laughs> or eat more food or something yeah. like that. It yeah. was great. It was great. It was great. I mean, I appreciated it, the candor of it for sure. Um, oh, uh, I'm so proud of our babies. Anyway, Chris Gibson kind of had a rough night, as the five goals would imply. Uh, Kutzko did get another assist, assisted <laughs> Alexander Trubson. Yeah. And then uh, just wrapped, actually, they get a 4-1 win in Wilkes-Barre against the Penguins, the baby Penguins. Hutsko gets another point in that game. Prisky gets a, a very nice uh, primary assist. And uh, Lucas Carlson with a goal and an assist. Oh. Former, uh, maybe the best player in that uh, Borgstrom-Connolly trade at this point. Good I don't know, him. man. Borgstrom got an assist in his, uh, in his season debut. In the NHL. I mean, look, I'm... I hope he does well. I'm I'm certainly not going to root against him, but I I will not. Connolly was put on waivers, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they he was put on waivers by the Panthers. True. So I mean that that shouldn't really be a surprise. They could have claimed him if they really wanted him, but uh, you know why would you? So uh, home opener for them on Friday, and uh, we're keeping our eyes out for some uh, good performances to see who might be earning a call up, and. Saran Noel, Max Mammon haven't really gotten involved in the scoring yet. And I think beyond just the scoring, I watched the, uh, the game today against the Penguins. Logan Hutzko looked really good, looked really fast, looked really dangerous, had a strong game. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you need the Charlotte checkers to finally show some, well, not finally, well, the Panthers minor league affiliate to finally show some consistency because Every year they're just yeah. Like you need the Charlotte Checkers, who are two years removed from a Calder Cup, to be good. <laughs> well, you do, you do right. Okay, moving on. It is very nice to see that the Panthers have a farm team that actually looks like good and development focused, instead of being all these just old NHL burnouts who aren't good but are probably good enough in the AHL in an attempt to like win games instead of develop prospects shout out to connor carrick scott wilson zach dalpy connor carrick is on charlotte yes he because wow. remember remember seattle is also oh affiliated yeah with them I, I i i registered that as like somewhere along the line connor carrick got added to the panthers system no 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 he's and also that's team captain zach dalpy to you Interesting. Interesting. All right. So Tampa on Tuesday. How are we feeling? Kucherov's out. That's true. Never wish injury on a guy, but no Cooch. It appears. I should say it appears. I don't think that's official yet. 
Like, I'll never wish for a player to be injured, but if there's a team that deserves some bad luck, bad bad karma. stop right bad there. Karma. Stop right, stop right there. Bad karma. We never uh, want an opposing team to have players injured. However, Nikita Kudrov potentially not playing in that game will benefit the Panthers. That's why I chose my words carefully. I said I never want players injured. I just said bad luck for a team. I didn't say anything about injuries to players. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, 82 0 we'll go through there. And uh, obviously, since they're going 82 0 we fully expect a win. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk some shop a little bit. So new website, same URL, ptphockey.com. You may have noticed I put up a piece last week about who on the Panthers resembles who on the heat. And uh, some people said that they didn't buy some of the comparisons. Other people said they thought it was spot on. Look out uh, for the future. I, I will be working on uh, redoing my comparing Panthers players to Pokemon uh, to follow up with the Panthers players to Miami heat. Yeah. And then well, I, will, uh, I will be comparing uh Panthers players to the signs of the Zodiac. No, I will not actually be doing that. Um, All right, we're, 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 we're off topic. We need to wrap this shit. Tomorrow, Point is we have written content now, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, tomorrow I'm posting all your predictions. We'll see what you thought was going to happen. Tuesday, we're starting our, our giveaways this year, so make sure you're locked onto our Twitter account, at Panthapuri now, no longer at PTP Hockey. On other social media, too, on Instagram, at, P- at Panthapuri. I was about to say at PTP Hockey. Um, that's all the shop we got to talk. Final thoughts? Uh, 82-0. Fuck Tampa. Let's and go. No. 82-0 and O. Who's going to finish the season with more points? The Florida Panthers team points in the standings or Connor McDavid? Ooh, that's oh, a good one. Off. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I think, gotta I go McDavid because I think he's got a chance of getting like 150 points. I think he's going 120. Yeah, right, so, so I gotta one, go McDavid. 164 is still more than 150. TJ, That's so. true, but I like I have a feeling he could, if everything went right, get to 164. He got a hat trick yesterday. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, but we keep we keep uh, hinting at it. Next episode, crime and penalties. If you haven't watched it by now, go watch it. It's 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 great. It gets a thumbs up from all three of us. Yes, it does. Gentlemen, Eric. how are we signing off? Uh, for Alex Not Lopez, three. Jacob uh, Jacob Langsam, TJ Peterson, rate us five stars on Adult Friend Finder. <laughs> <laughs>